Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Welcome to Mischief Makers, your one-stop shop for all things mischief. Join your host, Dave Hearn, as he finds out what makes mischief, well, mischief. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Mischief Makers with me, Dave Hearn. Uh, and today I have the delightful Miss Ellie Morris. Hello, Ellie. Hello, Dave. Nice to speak to you. Yeah, I haven't spoken to you for a while, I think. It has been a while, yeah. Pretty much the whole of the lockdown, we've not really seen each other spoken no, that's so at true. All. But this is going to be a very mundane question to start with. But how are you? I'm I'm good, you know. I mean, it's 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 dragging along. Um I'm not really doing much um mm. with my days. I'm having a lot of downtime. Um yeah, but I'm I'm good, enjoying the sunshine today. Yes. Um unfortunately, I'm locked in my room as I imagine you are. I window. am now, yeah. You've you've stolen the nice day away. Yeah, it's hot. It's very <laughs> hot. And uh, I, as we said before the podcast started, I thought I should let our listeners know. Um, I'm having some. Well, I'm not having any building work done, but some building mm. work has begun next door. I think our neighbours are having a bathroom put in. So um, I don't know. Did the noise I do for you before was that a good noise to represent building work? I think so. It was kind of like the yeah. drill, the kind of shrill yeah. drill. If so, ladies will. and gents, if you hear something like this, <laughs> um, I don't know if that's going to really sound horrible later, but, you know, you well, might hear that. That's just part of it, isn't it? Mm. So, <laughs> let's we've, we've become sidetracked by, yeah. by work, yeah. drilling. So, we're going to begin. So, this podcast, as you know, is about sort of getting to know people from mischief. Yeah. And uh, people would love to get to know you. And I know you very well. So, this mm-hmm. is very good for me to begin <laughs> interviewing you. Uh, so the first section is the getting to know you section. Now, oh, as we've discussed, I hope you haven't prepared anything, but I don't have any I jingles. So could you give us, off the top of your head, oh. a little getting to know you jingle? Okay. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba-ba, getting to know me. <laughs> nice, nice. I forget. Yeah, it's interesting when you when people do it who have good voices. Oh, is um, that? 
No, that was lovely. Oh, it thank was you. Sh- Shields is one. Just... Me and Shields got on very well because it was they were both kind of sort of atonal. <laughs> they were, yeah. He well, he did some piano. Um, oh. The notes did not match up. <laughs> no, no, no. But you know, he's a g- gifted in other ways. Oh my gosh, um, absolutely. So let's talk. Let's get to know Ellie Morris. Um, yeah. So why don't you tell us how how did you come to be in mischief? So um, I think it all started when I went to Lambda to do the foundation course. Um, I'd never done improv before, but we had improv classes with Adam Megiddo, um, which I I loved and and really enjoyed and kind of wanted to do more. And I think I I think some of the guys were there in their final year, uh, like Charlie and. Henry um, was still in their third year and I think I just heard about mischief and maybe asked or like I can't really remember what happened but said if you're ever looking for more people please think of me and then um, yeah I think a couple of years later I got asked to audition for the Edinburgh run and that was and then then you you were in you were away yeah so what happened in that audition what was our audition I I can't really remember it was I think you were there if it was in well, it's not there anymore, but W2 of like the Lambda, the old Lambda building. Mm. Um, and we just played some like standard improv games, kind of like lots of like short form stuff, made, like did a few scenes probably. Um, yeah, and yeah, it was really fun. How did, uh, how did you find it? Were you nervous or worried or did you just kind of crack on? I probably was. I really loved improv. Like I, I'd never done it. And I think Adam Megiddo is just such a great teacher. And mm. I like in the F's you do a lot of improv because he well I think he well he used to run that course I'm not sure if he does anymore um but yeah improv was like heavy uh on the on the scheduling so yeah we did a lot of it and and yeah I probably I think I was pretty confident I thought I was pretty good I don't know yeah well you must have been yeah yeah so I wonder like because I think of you often as quite a a very easygoing quite confident person but I, I have seen you nervous before yeah. And what kind of I stuff makes you nervous? I mean, this, I'm actually quite nervous for this. Oh, really? <laughs> um, yeah, I was a bit nervous. I was like, I was going to read all the questions and prepare. And Henry was like, no, why would you just, just don't do that. That will just make it worse. So I haven't done that. Um, so you but what else makes me nervous? I've not prepped any answers. Um, well, that's good. I mean, general, like I do get like, you know, first night jitters, like, you know, a little bit of stage fright, a little bit, but generally generally not i mean flying makes me nervous that's probably well, my like biggest. airplanes airplanes yep do not oh wow i didn't know that i know well it's only been in the last couple of years it was so weird i've like flown and been fine and then i think i had one bad flight back from new york where there was quite a lot of turbulence and i just it's like constant throughout the whole flight and then ever since then i just have been really like cripplingly nervous to get on a flight i even yeah. tried i went somewhere recently and i tried hypnotherapy because I was like so desperate just to not be scared, um, and I have to say that wow. it did it did not take, <laughs> it did not work at all. I kind of sat. This woman was like lovely. I kind of sat in this like very comfy chair in this incredibly warm room, and then she like covered me with this like this, like blanket, like this really heavy kind of like felt blanket. And I was like, oh god, just so hot, but I can't wow. say anything because I'm about to get hypnotized. Um, and she kind of her voice went into this lovely tones and like this melodic thing and she was saying all this kind of typical hypnosis stuff that you would expect to hear but every time I kind of like felt myself kind of going a bit under my eyes would just jolt open and I I was just really resistant to it I don't know why but 
Unfortunately, yeah. it did not work. Do you think you um, you went in with a certain kind of cynicism towards it that you thought it might not work? <laughs> I don't know. I was trying to work it out why, because I really wanted it to work. I was honestly like, this would just solve all my problems. But I think there was something about being under someone else's control. Like when I just, when I felt, you know, they get you to close your eyes and everything's heavy and you're going, you know, you're sinking down. And I just like, my body just kind of glitched and like resisted. And I like snapped my eyes open. And then after mm. like half an hour of talking to me, she was like, okay, I can tell this is not <laughs> working at all. And like, I know she was kind of, you know, apologetic. I think it maybe usually does. Um, but yeah, I just said, you know what, that's okay. Maybe we'll do another session. And then we scheduled another session and then she forgot about it. <laughs> oh, wow. So I, she, was, she hypnotized yeah, herself. <laughs> yeah, I like, it was going to be on Skype because she couldn't do another day. And then I like called her at the time and she was like, oh, sorry, I just completely forgot. Can we do it another day? And then she forgot about that as well. So you know what? It wasn't oh, a good wow. experience. Uh, <laughs> did not work and it cost quite a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, would you ever consider going to another hypnotherapist? Do you think I don't know if was... I would. I don't think I would. I think now I'm just going to use drugs. <laughs> Seems fair. Give Knock me yourself out when you get on the <laughs> yeah. Well, because I think, I, I wonder if, I certainly think the appeal of hypnotherapy is that it's, mm. um, it's this kind of catch-all, isn't it? That you can you can solve a problem like fear of flying yeah. uh, in, in a few sessions by altering your subconscious somehow. Yeah, well, that's what. Yeah, it's very. Um, I think it's very appealing. My one of my old movement teachers, he he smoked, and he said he went to hypnotherapy. Mm. Had one session, came out, never smoked again. Really, I mean, yeah, that, like, those are the stories you hear, and it's like, well, wow, I want this. Yeah, but then yeah. surely you could just apply that to everything. You should be like, okay, so I want to go in and and go. Okay, so what I want to do is just eat healthy. Yeah, I know. To go it's to not... the gym and sleep easily. Yeah, I don't know. I'm suspicious that it takes like one session is kind of. She said that we could do it in two. Mm. Sadly, I never got the second session, so maybe that would have been where the magic happened. But I don't know. I think maybe I would try it again with with someone different and just see because I know that it it does work for some people. But yeah. I don't know if I was just nervous to submit. That's very true, and I think yeah. that's part of it. Have you ever seen any of Darren Brown's shows live? I have, yeah. And he he's very quite selective about the people that he picks. Yeah, I think, I think it needs to be a certain type of person. Yeah, and I find there was one where this guy got up and he he got this guy up and he talked to him for about two or three minutes and just mm. at the end just went, "I'm really sorry, this isn't going to work." Oh wow! Um, so he knows. The guy, I think he was the guy. To be fair, was I don't know why I'm whispering. I, I don't know the guy knows. I'm <laughs> the talking guy about. Is here. He's in your the room. Guy, he's in my room. <laughs> He's a bit of a dick. Um, he's also broken into my house. Uh, get out. Uh, we've gone off track, but hypnosis yeah. is good. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. It's, it works for some, not for others, but you know. And so the flight you came back from New York because you you did a did you do a show off Broadway while we were there? I did. That was the big coincidence. Yeah, we did. We finished Bank Robbery, and then you guys were heading out to uh, Broadway, and mm. then I got a job uh doing a play called Rotterdam and it was at um the Brits off Broadway festival in New York um and yeah it was the it was kind of around the same time that you guys were there so we had a little crossover which was nice it was very nice yeah. and how did you find New York and Brits off Broadway oh I loved it it was so fun I mean it was it was a month and it goes so fast but it was just so great to be there and yeah I loved it and so the flight that flight back was the, was the I think maybe one. that was the one yeah 
or maybe it was one I, I no it was one after that because I was on my own because yeah I flew back sure. with everyone but it was a, it was a flight I think I went the next year and then I flew back on my own for some reason and I was just like like I was too scared to even ask I was like oh maybe I should get a whiskey or something and like calm myself down but I was just too <laughs> like I don't know I was too embarrassed to ask one so I just yeah I just gripped the seats and yeah closed my eyes for like just eight hours a lot. yeah <laughs> yeah when I, I so I um I'm usually okay with flying but I think mm. as definitely as I've got older I um I think I'm developing like a mild claustrophobia oh no and I, I think not in the sense of like I can't get in a lift mm. but more um if I try and turn around and uh, like if I'm laying flat and I try and roll over and I, yeah. I can't fully rotate I, I get a yeah. bit panicked and I Maybe wonder that's if the that's the trauma stuck. of the Peter Pan stuck in the the bed. Well, that was where I first <laughs> discovered it. Um, really? Oh, really? Oh my god! Yeah, in that middle bunk, in the yeah, in what I sort of called the death box. It was <laughs> horrible. Um, yeah, but that first one, the one we did in Pleasance, I actually had to. We had to pad the inside of it, and I had to turn my head to the side because a couple of times it did actually hit me in the head. Oh um, gosh, yeah. But then the one in well, the Apollo. You know, yeah. we can build ourselves so much better. Yeah. Much better. Yeah. But the one that um, pleasant still works the best. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but to your detriment. <laughs> mm, very much so. Um so you're you're in mischief. If you're in Peter Pan Goes Wrong, you were understudy yeah. on Bank Robbery. Indeed. And you're now in Play That Goes Wrong. I am. Well, currently not, but hopefully will be again at some point. Hopefully soon. Yeah. And how have you so you've played a relatively small part in um Peter Pan quite mm-hmm. a large part in play and mm. uh, uh an understudy role in Bank Robbery how, yeah. how do the three differ for you oh gosh I mean they're, they're just all so fun I think playing Lucy that was kind of my first my first job out of drama school and it was like we were at the Apollo it was like over Christmas it was just such a it was amazing it was so so great um so I loved that and it was such a fun part um yeah, because you get a lovely kind of ending and it's like really sweet. Um, I did love Bank Robbery. That was actually, that was probably, well, I don't know about my favourite. I'm loving Play That Goes Wrong, but Bank Robbery was like so, it was just because it was the new show and we, I remember being in the rehearsal rooms watching it kind of develop, which I had mm-hmm. never been at that stage of the mischief process before. So it was just so cool seeing everyone kind of workshop it properly and it like seeing how it changed, even when we opened it kept changing and changing <laughs> um yes remember we cut the first like 10 minutes off didn't we yeah yeah there was all the the bag business people in bags bag and... scene. yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yep a lot of stuff that went but that was just really cool to be kind of part of it from the very beginning um so I loved that and that whole year was just so fun there was so much variety like every night I was doing something different backstage and you kind of felt so as an understudy I just felt so kind of part of everything and I loved I loved all the backstage tracks those are some of my favorite times in mischief mm. just like being backstage and like I don't know just making everything work kind of like hauling this ladder and like pulling the things for the back wall sequence like I just thought it was cool so yeah I, I loved that and then play that goes wrong has been amazing um and it's so it's so sad that we're not doing it right now because it was just we had just kind of reached that point I think we were like the four month mark, maybe three or four, where we were like kind of getting the swing of it a bit and getting mm. more comfortable with each other and kind of playful. 
Um, so that was really great. And then, of course, it stopped, but it will return. <laughs> yeah, and you'll sort of have that to look forward to, I guess. Oh, yeah. Oh, gosh. It's been like knowing that we have something to go back to has just been incredible. Yeah, it's it's so good. So you uh, yeah, understudied and now uh, playing one of the sort of leading parts. But you oh, have... We have many other gifts as well that I know. So I think oh. I always think you have a, a wonderful singing voice, oh, thank um, you. as as demonstrated by the oh, jingle. My jingle. Yeah. Um, but the other thing is, you do do you do a lot of like illustrations and face painting and things like that? Oh well, now that you mention it, um, <laughs> I did. I started. I started a face painting business um, a couple of years ago uh, called Painty Face. Um, and yeah, I think that was just because I was working reception at the time had finished. Maybe that was in between bank robbery and doing Rotterdam, but like I had mm. months in between, um, and I was working at this club and they needed someone to do face painting for Halloween. And I think my friend just suggested me, I don't really know why, but she did. And I was like, oh yeah, I can do that. And then from there I thought, oh, that would be a really fun kind of way to like, you know, be working for myself when I'm not acting um mm. I kind of enjoy yeah design and kind of painting and stuff so yeah that started and it I you know I've it's not big by any means but you know I have my Instagram account and I've you know had some some really good gigs from that um unfortunately again I it's not something I can really do during the pandemic but hopefully uh one day we'll do again but yeah I really enjoy it and so was that kind of born out of um, the absence of something creative? As you say, you were like working at receptionist and you hadn't yeah. done theatre for yeah. a while. I think so. I think so. And my friend, so another girl who worked on reception with me, Tiffany, she had just founded this company called Brush and Bubbles with her friend, Lara. Um, and it was just so inspirational because like they were two actors who had met an audition. Um, while they weren't working, they were kind of like looking for something to do. And they just thought, oh, we have this idea for a, for a painting and Prosecco class. Um, and so, and they just did it. And I just found that like, you know, people always talk about doing things and never do them, but actually they just thought of it, put something together. Like now the business is like three years old and incredibly successful. And so at that time I was like, oh, that would just be so great to kind of do something for myself, which is yeah, creative, but also, you know, makes a bit of money. Um, so yeah, that was kind of the inspiration. So thanks Tiff and Laura, check out Brush and Bubbles, a great business. Very good. Well, they'll have to give us some sponsorship money now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I worked for them because it was it was that was a really great time as well. So they they're a painting and prosecco class, and like they need uh, artists to teach the classes. It's kind of they have set paintings, and everyone comes along and and paints the same thing. So I did a few of those, which was really great. That's really cool. And yeah. also, we did um, one of Mischief's gifts to um, Nancy when when. Uh, was it yeah. uh, Herb's first birthday? That was Herb's. No, that was when Herb was like first born. Is was that just first, born? Like his nothing like birthday. A, yeah. Maybe it was, it was a baby shower. I think it was. Yeah. And yeah, we made him a, shower, a yeah. book. And did you yeah. illustrate that book? The Prince of Mischief. Well, that was a great idea from, I think, Bryony and Charlie came up with that idea to do this kind of like kids' book with all featuring kind of from all the mischief guys featuring us as kind of different animals and like writing a nice story for Herb. And so they wrote it, Charlie and Bry. And then, yeah, I illustrated it. Um, and yeah, we got it all printed up and it's, oh, it's really sweet. It's called the Prince of Mischief. And it's kind of, 
Herb is the Prince of Mischief and he goes through and meets all of the colourful characters <laughs> and we're all different animals. I think yeah. what were you, you remember I think who you were was a, what animal? I think I think I was a I was a butterfly. I think I don't what were you? Were you a cat? I imagine you I was like either a spry. cat or a or a bird. <laughs> or a bird, yeah. There was I mean it was long actually. There are a lot of people mm. <laughs> who were included, so it was about thirty pages to take a while, but yeah, it was so sweet. I imagine Hen was like a bear. Shields was, was a bear, a lizard. Of course. Oh yeah, Shields was a lizard. Hen was a bear. Um, no. I can't remember. Maybe. Oh, yeah. Josh was a dog. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. Like a puppy. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I can't, can't remember any others. Maybe I was a monkey or something. A monkey. Oh yeah, maybe like, you were. Could, I'm, I'm quite bird-like naturally. So I think um, you are. I think that would. Someone was ants. I don't know who was ants, but I just ha- recall drawing loads of ants. But who would have been an ant? Bodhi might have been <laughs> ants. Very very hard maybe. working man. Because like yeah, it um, was like I remember it was loads of ants carrying this leaf. So maybe it was like team. I think that was maybe the message that the team works together or something and can carry mm. a leaf. But <laughs> if you need something heavy carried, call my Bodhi. Yeah, you know, he absolutely. Is lift three times yeah. his own body weight he's your man i don't know if that's true yeah <laughs> um, so, you, so drawing and acting singing can you dance oh, i don't know i'm a t- you know i can't dance i'm a terrible dancer i did i, did. I wanted you to say. you know this because no. we <laughs> learned this in pan when we had like the most simple choreography to pick up and i just could not do i cannot do a body roll to this day it grieves me that i cannot do a body roll but it's just impossible it doesn't work i don't it's know how move. It is a tough one, but yeah, that was incorporated into that dance. I just mm. failed miserably, but I think I got away with it because, you know, I had the boot, I had the crutches. Lucy was, she's yeah. young. You had a different kind of joke. Yeah, yeah, I was just playing was that. But you <laughs> but no, I'm... had some uh, experience directing, right? Oh, a wee bit, yeah. That was, oh gosh, and when was that? Like a couple of years ago, I directed um, Much Ado About Nothing. Um, uh, produced by uh, the Cat the Cats Theatre um, in London Bridge um, with a guy called Greg Burks, who's great, and that was really fun. Yeah, that was kind of my first foray into directing. How did you find it? Is it quite? Because um, I always imagine like you think that you could not you, but one can <laughs> be a director. But then I imagine once I you actually start doing it, there's so many more. Well, elements. I don't think I did think that. Um, so it was it was nice because it was a production. Um, it was kind of a remounting of a production that they had done. It was a group of, uh, Greg was on the foundation course a few years uh, after me. Um, mm. So they had kind of done this show at Lambda, I think, and it just was a really good setup. It was, they, they really enjoyed it. So they wanted to kind of do it again um, at the theater that they run in London Bridge. So yeah, he kind of brought me on as like a kind of co-director. So it was all like, we kind of changed a few things, but it was, like the the setting was the same. It was set in an office. So I kind of, I didn't really come up with the concept. I just kind of mm. directed the bones of the show, which were already there. So that was nice because I think it was, you know, there was less pressure to kind of fully come up with the entire idea. But it was really fun. We had a great time. You saw it, didn't you? I did, yeah. I mean, I really you can be the judge. It. <laughs> it was it was really fun to do. And everyone was, yeah, we had a nice group. And the, would you ever consider kind of, I suppose if the path was open to you, would you ever mm. consider shifting from acting to directing? I'm not sure. Like, I guess I I would, but I think, I don't know. Honestly, with, with directing, I think people 
obviously they're so passionate the people who do it are so passionate about it and I think I loved doing it but it's not I kind of didn't feel like instantly I was like ignited and had to kind of direct the next thing and the next thing I feel I don't know I kind of feel like my role is more kind of like assisting or kind of supporting rather than kind of leading the Mm -hmm. the whole thing I think the director there's a lot of pressure you you are the visionary you're carrying everything and I kind of think yeah my my personality maybe lends itself more to supporting and kind of um yeah I'm like working with with people to make something happen rather than being the one in charge I think yeah because I I think I remember thinking to go back to Adam McGeady actually when we were doing Mm. doing magic I mean he had a a real impossible task directing the show and yeah the vision of it was I always thought his vision was was quite clear and Mm. you know we Adam and and the writers and the creatives and all those kind of things had the disagreements along the way but yeah I always think that whenever there was a sticking point or whenever there was any kind of pause in the tech or in the rehearsal where there was a thing where people just didn't really know and we were kind of treading water you just mm. felt the eyes just turned to this guy sat behind yeah. the desk at the end of the room. Yeah, and... you've got to know exactly what you want and mm. be able to communicate that. And yeah, I think you need you need just a lot of vision, don't you, to be a director? Yeah, and I think a really, I think maybe I don't think I could be a director because I wonder if I have the patience for it. Because in my head, mm. I'd be like, oh, here's my vision very clearly. Oh, yeah. but you're not doing it. Well, that's the other thing is like being able to kind of tailor your communication to, I guess, actors or whoever you're communicating with to, to not make it be kind of like, you're just telling them exactly what to do. You kind of Mm. have to collaborate, which is the, I think the nice thing about mischief is that there's so much collaboration within the company um, that never really feels like anyone's just telling you, do this, do this, do this. It's always like a kind of conversation and yeah. Good communication. We're always up to just kind of, doing stuff and seeing what happens oh yeah just trying it out Mm. yeah yeah but to stick with um to stick with adam actually for a bit you did the 50 hour improvathon right we did yeah we did me we didn't do the whole 50 hours but me brian and charlie we did this year i think me and charlie did we do about 11 hours 10 i can't exactly remember now we were there we we both left at about four in the morning i remember we kind Mm. of we stayed on longer than we thought we would um yeah but that was a lot of fun. I would definitely want to try it again and and, and do a bit more. Um, but yeah, that was that was a good time. Tell us a bit about your uh, experience inside of it. So you kind of turn up. There's all <laughs> these people there, and how, do, yeah. how does it work? I mean, there's a lot of people. So everyone, you get into your costumes, and I think the first did we kind of go around and, and meet everyone's character? You kind of get introduced to who or you just chat about the the hot 30 yeah the hot 30s and you kind of mean like even before the show starts even before I mean you can like some people like me and Charlie and Bri we decided to kind of play together so we were the cactus sisters and so we kind of Mm. had like generated a little bit of relationship just to to kind of not so we were all strangers um so yeah I think that really helps if you have kind of relationships just from the get-go then that makes mm. things much easier but yeah it was hectic I mean it really was you're just kind of all waiting backstage you do the hot 30s which is where you kind of run out and have 30 seconds to introduce your character um, and why you're there uh, to the audience and then yeah Adam will just call or whoever's calling will just um, call people up and you have to see what happens I mean I don't 
it's not, um, you know, it doesn't make sense a lot of the time, <laughs> but yeah. it is fun. It's maybe more fun to do than it is to watch. I'm not sure. Did you see any of it? I did. I watched, um, and actually the the last one of these we recorded was with Rich Baker and he was telling oh, yeah. me that he, I think he's the only musician in the world, I think, to play all 50 hours straight through. Oh, that's um, crazy. Cause that actually requires attention. Yeah. Well, like, that was so much attention. Cause he's technically in every scene. Um, yeah. As where like you sort of get mini breaks, but I watched it. I, I oh, watched yeah. the, your guys one at Wilton's, um, and it started at like seven and I think, or, or eight or something like that. And I think I left at mm. midnight um, mm. to get the tube. And I sort yeah. of said to, said to Charlie, I was like, I'm, I'm, you know, I, well done, but I'm, I'm going to leave now. <laughs> I'm finished. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it, yeah, it's this strange thing. I think talking to people who do it and I, I did it for a bit um, the year before. Mm. I think once you're inside it and you're developing a story, um, and you you become such an integral part of that story. I imagine yeah. you sort of get the feeling of just going, oh, well, I, well, I can't just leave now. We well, yeah, I think that's story. what happened with with me and Charlie. We kind of we had planned to leave after a certain amount of hours or episodes, and then we were like, oh well, we save one more, and then we save one more, and then yeah, it got to about four a.m. and I think we were kind of done. But no, it does kind of suck you in, and I really do want to try and do the whole thing one day because yeah, the the experiences that people have do seem kind of after like the 24 hour mark it gets pretty insane mm. well yeah rich was telling us about the gates of hell um, <laughs> What's that? Where, where i think you get to a point of kind of real um sounds like real sadness um oh. and, and real kind of you, you, delirium yeah real delirium a real kind of <laughs> lowness in spirit um mm. but everybody kind of hits the gates at different points mm. and so you're you're kind of often you're shouldering the kind of tiredness with everybody else yeah and I think what ends up happening is that once you I guess to continue the metaphor I guess pass through the gates mm. um you realize you know it's not hell you're actually walking to heaven <laughs> and then the oh. same level of kind of depression and sadness that you feel reverses and becomes a sort of a joy and an elation it does sound um, great I mean the like the the group spirit backstage is amazing you kind of get together before everyone goes back on for another section and you like kind of stamp your feet and like make loads of noise or kind of sing some song just to make sure everyone is kind of together so it does feel like very supported and it's a, it's a very powerful energy I think yeah there is something it's um yeah, you. It does feel. I remember when I did it. I came in on the second day, so I'd come in after everyone had been awake for sort of twenty four to thirty four oh, wow, yeah. hours, um, and I, I, I just kind of came in and injected a bit of pace into the story because yeah, it that's felt good. like it's it slowed down a bit. But I think that at the same it. time, there. Yeah, you're right. There's a kind of heavy. There's such a delirium in the air. Yeah, it's quite energizing and electric, and you're just a bit. Yeah, like, wow. It probably feels like crazy. It's, yeah. <laughs> You're coming in at that point, you feel like the only sober one and everyone else is drunk. Like, it's just yeah, exactly. not the best time to enter. I remember sort of fearing, really. Well, how did you feel, actually, when you, when you were, was that something you were quite nervous for? I was nervous, yeah. No, I was nervous. Because, like, there are some great improvisers who do it, like, really experienced people who I think are really funny. And, you know, obviously, you might be called in a scene with them. So it's like, mm. you know, that is a little bit nerve-wracking. But it was it was lovely because we had, had Brian and Charlie who we were kind of, stuck together um who I was like more familiar with so that was that was nice to have them 
Yeah, I think I remember when I went in the I I, I wasn't with anyone. And, oh, that um, is that scary. Yeah, and it was it did feel a little lonely occasionally, but I mm. think uh, I spoke to Adam and he was he was quite delirious at this point and he said he was just like I'm really sorry Dave I'm just what I'm going to do is I'm just going to put you with all the people that are struggling mm, and I yeah. was just like okay and so I just had to kind of like tie down all the people that were really delirious and <laughs> then like give them something the to strays. do <laughs> yeah it was a really strange experience and then I sort of forged this story with this guy and then just went Adam I'm out mate I'm just going to kill myself in the next one um oh. <laughs> and then uh he was just like yeah can you just make sure that like these four characters all just end up like this and I was just like yeah easy um and so yeah it was one of those kind of nice I think they do where, that more yeah where you just sort of bring in someone every couple of hours just to redirect you can the, pull the strings a little bit from the inside not you know just to make sure it's enjoyable for anyone watching yeah because I think actually I reckon if you've been up for 36 hours and you sort of maybe feel like you're floundering a bit and I imagine mm. you become any kind of feeling you have, whether it's uh, elation or, or anxiety or self-consciousness, I imagine that's magnified oh, gosh, by your tiredness. Yeah. So if you Definitely. if you lose confidence at like hour 38... Yeah, you could, you could crumble. <laughs> yeah. But it's, yeah, it's quite strange. But we've talked about it quite a lot on the podcast, actually. So mm. maybe um, it'll gain... I don't know how many people listen to this. Oh, well, thousands, <laughs> surely. Thousands, Millions. probably thousands. Um, but yeah, 50-hour improv. I would, yeah, I would definitely... We should all do it. When it comes around again, I'm definitely, mm. well, if I'm invited, Adam. Uh, well, I would if, love to do a, a mischief kind of 12-hour mischief movie night. Yeah, we talked about that. That would be really fun. A charity thing, socially yeah. distanced. Yeah, that would be great. Obviously. Now, um, so I'm going to slightly read it. Well, no, actually, no, it is keeping on the same theme, I guess. Mm -hmm. So you've done, you kind of done all this stuff with mischief and you've done yeah. some stuff by yourself and you've had other jobs when you've not been working. Mm. Um We'll probably dive into specifics, but as a more general question, how have you found uh, life after Lambda? How have you found the industry kind of coming out of drama school, generally um, speaking? I think it's been, well, I think the first few years, I have to say, were, I found kind of easy. Um, mm -hmm. And I don't think that's normal. And I think I realised only after the work stopped that that wasn't normal at all and that it is much more of a struggle and a slow game but because I had this in with mischief and I was scheduled to do Peter Pan like directly after I graduated it kind of felt like oh yeah this is what acting is I just book this job and do that and then I'll move on to something else and like you know you just mm. think that it's just the work is never going to stop if you get something straight after drama school yeah but of course that is you know so wrong um so yeah <laughs> it's been obviously I've done some some amazing stuff with mischief um and the, the rotterdam show which i did as well um but yeah it does it does definitely get tough like you know uh it's it's hard and i think yeah it's, it's definitely an adjustment when you realize like you know i finished pan and bank robbery and and when rotterdam was over there was like yeah maybe a year or so when i didn't work like i'm not sure yeah i'm not exactly sure how long but it's definitely tough and it's definitely an adjustment. Um, yeah, but obviously mischief has been amazing to kind of have have that connection and to be able to to do so much with you guys. It's been so good. Yeah, I think it's some of the, one of the things that kind of Jono says when 
whenever we do a cast change and stuff, where he's like, you know, a really cool thing. At one point, I think we had three or four shows running in London, um, and I don't think we were in any of them. Mm. And uh, he just said, you know, one of the coolest things about Mischief is that we can kind of create so much work for people. Yeah. Um, you know, in in the industry generally, which is really cool. And I, I think it's, I think it's something I'm quite interested about is the kind of life after after drama school or university or some kind of training because I think I really remember leaving drama school with the with the feeling of if you can hit the next step you'll be fine like mm. you get if I get an agent great then I'll get in with uh casting directors and I'll yeah. get an audition and I want to get the audition I'll get the part and then I'll lead something else and something else yeah. and something else and I get the feeling that that happens to very few actors until oh, yeah. much later in their career where you're eventually you know I guess the dream is that you're turning stuff down but yeah it's definitely. a real long I mean, game it's definitely a long game and people who graduated like like a year before me like now I'm seeing doing really great things or like you just see people who you kind of vaguely knew who maybe you mm. haven't seen do anything and then suddenly they pop up in this great tv thing or like you know in all that time they've been you know out there trying to make it as well so I think yeah, I I was just kind of young when I graduated from drama school as well. I, I just went straight from school. I didn't take any kind of gap year. I did the foundation course and then I went straight to the three-year course at Lambda. So I was kind of in that Lambda bubble for like four years. Um, and so, yeah, maybe I was quite sheltered and didn't – I just didn't really give it a massive amount of thought, like how how tricky it really <laughs> is and mm. would be. Um, yeah. But no, I think that's good. I think it's good to talk about as well, particularly for actors who are leaving drama school, particularly now that mm. it's uh, even. But I, yeah, I definitely put huge pressure on myself to kind of even with the lockdown and stuff to kind of do something. Um, yeah. But actually, it's it's not about just kind of generating anything you can. It's just about getting through it and sort of yeah. getting through it together. I think if you have, yeah, if you have like a good kind of support system of, of people who kind of get it as well, because I have my my kind of outside friends who didn't go to drama school. Then I have my drama school friends, but we're just, we just do not talk about acting really. And it's, I think that's really mm. kind of nice and, and healthy. Cause you then, you just don't get all of the kind of jealousies or, or kind of what's this person doing. We just kind of don't really discuss it. And I think it's, it's probably the better for that. Um, but it's nice to know that there, there are people who completely, it kind of goes without saying everyone kind of gets it and understands that, you know, we've all been through the, the same kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, it's important to have those kind of relationships. Yes, I agree. Yes, and so indeed. with that, I'm going to uh, sort of turn the rudder on the interview and redirect oh. us. Oh, my um, gosh. Oh, and yeah. we're going we're gonna to answer some questions from the web. Um, oh my God. Okay. So, uh, you know, that means we need another jingle. I know. I just got uh, nervous now. So uh, give us questions okay. from the web jingle. Go. Okay. <laughs> questions from the web <laughs> oh my god i really don't want that to be in it <laughs> did you start did you, you started so high i know i don't know why i, I just yeah. panicked and thought i must not think about this i must just do it and that's no, that what you good. got that's what you got so i will never be listening to that part of this interview I liked it very much. <laughs> in fact, it's a, it's about 30, 37 minutes in that, so you can oh. kind of skip forward. Okay, great. Yeah, I won't be listening at all. Yeah. Um, okay, so the first question we have, from the web, 
um, <laughs> is from uh, Ryan Pollard. Um, okay. And Ryan asks, is there a special mischief moment that you still remember very fondly to this day? Oh, a mischief moment. I mean, there honestly has been so many. Um, gosh, let me think. It could be um, something from mischief movie night. Um, could be... Yeah. Some crazy that happened in Pan. Some, some craziness. I can't, I mean, I'm always really bad when I'm put on the spot to think of a kind of standout thing. Um, I can just well, think of the bad, the embarrassing things that have happened on stage during Mr. Movie Night. <laughs> you can definitely, I mean, um, I suppose it's remember fondly, but if it's a special moment, you can I definitely think, remember one of those. Yeah. Um, what do I remember? I mean, the, the the mischief movie night tour was great. I think we had some really great shows. There were some excellent moments, but the one I mm. the one I remember, which which was a was a lesson, but it really hurt at the time, was um was we were doing this murder mystery. I think it was in Cardiff, um, and I was the inspector. Which you know, I am the least experienced improviser of all of you. So it was <laughs> I was already kind of like I really you know if you're the inspector, you will be the one that basically ties up the entire plot at the end of the show um mm. and so I kind of had this coming and we got to the point where I think basically every single other member of the cast had died so or like a few people were standing at the side so everyone was kind of kind of strewn about the stage and I was just there and had honestly nothing and I, <laughs> I think I just I really didn't have anything and I just remember maybe Harry was, I remember like looking at Harry's eyes and I was, all, I was just like crying out like with my eyes just for help. And I was, I, I really did not have anything. And I, I don't think that was the finest show. I have to say, I think eventually maybe people <laughs> tried to come alive to help. I think Henry ran on, ran on with a phone. <laughs> it was just, I don't know. It was a traumatic time, but I did learn that whatever happens, it really there's no reason to get so upset about it. I think I really was quite upset after the show. Mm. And that was one of the great things about that tour is I think learning that, you know, it really like, there's no, it's never going to be good if you put that much pressure on yourself. Like obviously everyone wants the show to be great and we'll do our best to make the best show possible. But in that moment, like, you know, anything would have been good. I think I froze and that was kind of why it was so just painful, maybe more for me than anyone else. Um, but yeah, a good lesson yeah. from a from a traumatic event. <laughs> well, that's good. That is good, and I think it's really yeah. important because I I'm sort of quite big into failure. I mm. think we should. It's important that we embrace it and learn yeah. from it. And that's that is a well. big mischief message, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's just kind of going. Oh yeah, you, you, there's going to be a point where you'll fail. And I really remember when, with most improvisers and most of the shows, there is a point where everyone kind of arrives, quote unquote. And it is. It usually follows some kind of catastrophic freezing, <laughs> or or the opposite, which is I think the yeah. problem I have is that I I used to come in really hard and just like bulldoze yeah. everything, and then you realise yeah. you look back on it and go, oh, I've actually just destroyed everything. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, analysing improv shows, it's it's good to a point, mm. and then it's like, oh, okay, let's just do another one. Drawing. Let's do another yeah. one. <laughs> Well, there you go. There's a there's a um a sad memory, but also a fond lesson. But a fond, yeah, a fond lesson. So sorry about that, Ryan. Yeah. If I didn't deliver on the fond, there's many <laughs> fond things. Uh, the next question is from uh, I'm going to say George Aspie or cool. Aspie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's spelled A S P I E. Aspie. 
like it. I like Aspie, but you'd probably need a hyphen. Mm. George Aspie. Um, George Aspie, you... like he's playing pie. Yeah, like. Pie? Oh, I see. So he's George. <laughs> he's as George pie. as being pie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Sorry, what's his question? Of... His question is sorry, we got bogged out on Aspie. Um, <laughs> you are. Oh no, not you are. It's a question, not a statement. Are you uh, an introvert or an extrovert, optimist or pessimist? I I honestly think I'm all of them. That sounds, I don't know what that sounds like, but I think I'm definitely more of an optimist than a pessimist. Mm-hmm. Um, but these days it's tough, isn't it? Yeah, uh, it is it's, it's, it's It's a tough one. But yeah, I think I, I would like to say optimist. An introvert, I don't know, it really depends on the scenario. I think I can be really kind of quiet and, and quite shy sometimes. Um, but it really depends on, so I think I'm, I'm a bit of both. I'm a mix. What would you say? I mean, from, from someone who's known me. Um, I would probably say you, I would, if I had to pick them, I would say extrovert optimist. Mm, yeah. But I, I do understand, um, I do understand introvert because yeah. I think most people are, are sort of a combination of both. Yeah. Aren't they? Yeah. And some are just more one, one than the other, but I would say that, yeah, like a, maybe at a party particularly where you know people very extrovert but maybe in a, a scenario where you don't know as many people you probably yeah quiet, i think so yeah 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 i'd say that. I'd, say, I'd say so thanks ryan as pie oh no ryan sorry what was his name al george george <laughs> george al al as pie <laughs> <laughs> george as pie uh, this next person has a great name as well greer theus wow g-r-e-e-r-t-h-a-u-s that's such a cool name yeah, Greer Theus is sort of quite Grecian. Yeah, it is. Um, God of pies. Okay, Pie. no, that's cool. <laughs> Sorry, Greer. Um, let's just ask the question. What is the most difficult part of improv? Just getting on. Just like, just summoning, summoning something just to get on stage, I think. Mm. Actually, is that? Yeah. Maybe. I mean, there's many. It's, 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 it's the attitude, I think. It's kind of maybe, you know, it's getting over, kind of getting over your inhibitions, just kind of trying to overcome any expectation of what you want it to be or, or what you think it should be. Um, yeah. Well, it's I think that, like yeah. Thing, isn't it? The sort of element it's, of truly losing control and just kind of going, I have no idea what this is going to be. Yeah, no, I think, yeah, just letting, because obviously, you know, you have an idea. Sorry? I was just saying, I'm just being okay with that. Oh, yeah, sorry, I think it, uh, no, I can hear you now. You've come back. But yeah, I think, because everyone's going to have a different idea of where the scene is going, but, and obviously you do as well, and I think it's, it's probably letting go of what you think it should be and just letting it be what everyone collectively thinks it should be. Um. Mm. But yeah, just not feeling like I, I do remember another one that in a show that was set in Scotland, I think I did not speak for the entire show because I have a terrible Scottish accent. And that is just bad improv. Nice. That is just, I mean, I didn't speak, so <laughs> obviously it's bad improv, but that was just, you know, I think I just let my kind of self-consciousness and my fear of, you know, doing a bad accent ruin the show. Like it was just really silly. So I think, I think that was another lesson from, from the tour is that, you know, either you do a bad accent or you're from somewhere else. No one says you have to be from Scotland. You can be from anywhere. Like I can play a monster. I could play to 
a talking twig. Mm. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I think just just not not being uh, kind of confined. Also letting yourself get in yeah, the letting yourself go. Yeah, not not getting in the way of your own brilliance. <laughs> Very good. Thank you, yeah. Gria Theus. Um, and the final question is from Haley Pineapple. I don't think pineapple is wow. her actual last name, but I, I wish it was. Or maybe yeah. it is. Maybe it is. It's good. I like it. Um, if you could own a mythical creature, which one would you pick? She's given oh. some examples. Okay. Like. I'd like to hear those. Yeah, please. E.g. unicorn, phoenix, mm-hmm. etc. Oh. <laughs> um... <laughs> I'm trying to think of other mythical creatures that I know. Um, I think those... Chimera. I don't know what that is. A chimera. It's like some kind of cat. Um, No, it's like lots of of creatures mixed together. I'd want it to be cute and kind of small. Mm, Maybe like a miniature unicorn or some kind of like pearl that talks. Like a clam. (laughs) Yeah, like a sort of mythical oyster. There's a 500-year-old clam called Ming, oh, wow. I think. <laughs> I saw that the other day. It's a really old clam, and its name is Ming. I don't know if that makes it a mythical creature. But... I don't know. I mean, it can be for this. You want Ming, you want Ming the I clam. I want Ming the clam. That's what All I right. want. <laughs> yeah. You could have had, like, Pegasus, like a flying horse. Oh, God. It's too big. I need it small and cute. Travel size. I don't know what's small. The I know there are no. It's kind big. of mythical creatures it suggests kind of grandeur and, and, and largeness. What's yeah. a small mythical creature? Do, do they so exist? Hard. Some well, kind I'm of just, mythical I'm worm. Yeah, that's fine. Ming the clam. Yeah. <laughs> Ming the clam. Very good. Um, <laughs> so uh, this is going to bring us to the close of the oh, question. Oh gosh. Oh okay. And Not we the close are of into the. No, no, no. We're into the final section now, which okay. is the quick fire section. Oh, God. Um, so can you give me a sort of very quick, quick fire jingle? Quick fire! Nice. Was that guns speaking? <laughs> I think so. I did. I did. You can't see me, but I did do. A, I was doing the guns with my hands. <laughs> I did that just then as well. When I said, did oh, you? was that guns speaking? I sort of. Like that, you know that mind. noise, like, bow, 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 bow. I don't really know what that is, but it's, is it like party? Oh, a party almost signal? like a siren. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like, it's musical, Is it? Oh, okay. Yeah, I think it's in the House of Hope. I don't know what it means, but. It's like a kind of techno siren. Yeah, like a ravey, I'm going to have a good time. Yeah, okay, I like that. Um. That's, that's what that was. Good. When yeah. you think about that, ladies and gents, think back on that. Think yeah. Of it as that. Okay, I so it more. I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions and you just answer them as quickly as possible. There's no okay. right or wrong. Okay. 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 All right, here we go. What is your favorite color? Pink. If you're an animal, what would you be? Um, swarm. Swarm. Nice. I was uh, going to say were... sloth. <laughs> but then I was like, am I? No. But then a worm. Perfect. <laughs> then a worm. Um, if you were to, to describe yourself as a dessert, what dessert would you be? Uh, parfait. That's what nice. it is. Nice. Um, yeah, parfait. You can, you can get it? different kinds of parfait. Yeah, okay. it's, it's usually kind of like a meat. It's like a pate. Um, <laughs> a meaty dessert. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is a Jaffa cake a cake or a biscuit? Cake. If you were one of the 52 playing cards, which one would you be? 
Ace of Hearts. Nice. Left or right? Right. Right or wrong? Wrong. What's your favourite film? Um, The Labyrinth. What's your favourite song? Oh, golly. Um, uh, what's that Simon and Garfunkel one? Slow one, really famous. You know the one. Do, 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 do. That great one. Okay, Superman by Laurie Anderson. I've changed it. Nice. And finally, who would be the best person to be trapped um, on a desert island with? Someone could could be someone from Mischief. Actually, let, yeah, let's oh make it gosh. from someone from Mischief to be trapped on a desert island with. Oh, man, the best person. I mean, maybe Bodes. Just, you know, he's he's going to be yeah. capable of a lot. Yeah, he's, he's probably going yeah. to get you off the island as well. That's that's what I'm saying. He can build a raft in, in no time. Yeah, out of... I would yeah. go with Bodes. Reliable, oh. strong, fun. Pack of ants. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the man that is a pack of ants. <laughs> pack of ants. A pack of ants in disguise. I don't as, think as he as actually was the ants, just to clear that up. He, I don't think he was the ants. No, we might have to call Nance and find out. Yeah, I think I have a copy of it at home, actually. We'll tweet I'll try it and find it. Yeah, I'll tweet, yeah, we'll tweet um, it out, yeah. And to close, uh, do you have any uh, TV recommendations that people should watch? Oh, man. Anything you've been I... watching recently that you like what get on this? Oh, I mean, I May Destroy You. That's the that's the main <laughs> the main one I just finished, which was so, so good. Um, and what else? Unorthodox. If people have, that was kind of a few, a few months ago that came on Netflix, but that is, have you seen it? I've not seen it. No, it's oh, on my Oh gosh, list. you've got to see it. That was really good. Really, really great. Um, I what else? Charlie started watching it. She said she really likes it. Yeah. Oh, it's just wonderful. So yeah, those two things, really good. Also no. Buffy, Buffy Vampire Slayer. Yeah. Always Classic. Buffy, forever. <laughs> Could watch them all day. Yes. Now, that's all we've got time for, Al. Thank you very much. Wow, thank you so much. This was really lovely. It's nice to speak yeah. to you. It's a pleasure to speak to you. Um, and I'm just going to do the closing bit. I suppose we don't... Actually, you can do the closing bit. Um, okay. So you just say, Goodbye. thanks very much for listening. Um, you just say, I, I've been Ellie Morris. This is Dave Hearn. Um, do the Twitter handle, at Mischief Comedy. Okay. And, and then close, finish by saying, thanks for listening and keep making mischief. Oh, wow. That's a lot of information. Okay. Thank you so much for listening. I've been Ellie Morris and this is Dave Hearn. Uh, please find us at Mischief Comedy on Twitter and keep making mischief. What was it? Nailed it. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.